We're continuing in our series that's headed us into the fall, Grow Closer to God. And today, the sermon is The New You. The New You. Every day, every way. The New You, every day, every way. Um, it's, it's wonderful to be in a church family where folks definitely remember the sermons that are preached. I was reminded by a couple of our folks who come to our 8.30 service this morning that my very first sermon here uh, back in the late fall of 2013 was, also, was titled, A New You. A New You. And I preached on, I remember preaching on, uh, John chapter 3, but I didn't remember the title of the sermon, so thanks for shouting that out to me. Uh, today, the new you, every day, every way. We're going to turn today not to John 3 to begin with, but to Romans, Paul's epistle to the church at Rome, and we're going to be centering on our key uh, couple verses for actually for last Sunday, this Sunday, and next Sunday. You can go back and listen to last week's sermon uh, we're going to continue bridging from verse 1 into the beginning of verse 2 today of Romans 12. But first, we're going to read Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans 8, verse 29. Then we'll read Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Some of you may have heard of the term predestination before. And if you, if you shout predestination in a crowded room, there's all kinds of reactions and emotions from people, and I think this, or I feel like this, or whatever. But it's interesting, uh, so often in the scripture, when we, when we talk about, or when God talks about election and predestination, the point is not like, well, what does that make you feel like this choice? It's actually, what is the purpose Where's this going that God chooses people unto himself? And this verse speaks to that. Let's, let's hear God's word in Romans 8, 29. For those whom he, that means God, it's talking about God, for those whom he, God, foreknew, he also predestined. Well, I wonder why he predestined. What, what did he predestine them to? Where, where are they going? to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, that means the son, God's son, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. And that brother's word there is really in reference to Paul's talking about heirs. So that would be sisters and brothers, but you're talking about people who have um, heir, you know, are heirs, joint heirs in the kingdom. Now, Continuing with Paul's message in Romans, now we look to our key verses from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, again, brothers and sisters, okay. Uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your, and we focused on this last week, Lagikane, word-informed, spirit-informed worship. In other words, it's not random worship. It's informed by God's word, your spiritual worship. Now then verse 2, which we add on today. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and and pleasing and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. I'm married. What does that mean? What does being married mean? Well, let me tell you, being married certainly includes, if possible, a wedding but the wedding is not to be all end all. Did y'all know that the wedding, <laughs> the wedding is just part of a beginning of a process. Being married is much more than showing up for 20 or 30 minutes at a wedding. <laughs> Being married is living married. Okay? Being married is living married every day in every way. Wait a minute, you don't just mean on Friday night for a couple hours? No, no. Every day, in every way, when the makeup's on, when the makeup's off, when this is going on, when the dog's going crazy, when the baby's crying, yes, every day, in every way, that, that's being married. It's a process which for, for me as a Christian, I yield myself to God or, or seek to or should because the truth is, if I go with Martin's emotions and thoughts all the time, I'm not going to be married very well, okay? <laughs> Nancy might be gracious and put up with me, but I pretty much need God to do some work within me. Do we all agree to that? Do you agree to that if you're married? That that's, okay, I remember specifically, uh, you know, Nancy and I married early. I just turned 22. It wasn't my game plan to get married so early, but then God brought us together, and it was the time, and we were going to get. So I remember I had a whole bunch of people in from out of town, uh, my groomsmen and other folks who had come from summer vacations all over the world, actually all over the world. I had people who came from the Greek Isles who came back to be at our wedding in Florida. But, you know, on the guy side, on the groom side, there's a period where you don't have to do very much for a couple hours before the wedding. The, the, the bride is still in all this preparation. But I, I remember I had quiet time about two hours before the wedding. And I said, I really want to get married to Nancy. This is an awesome day. I'm really excited about this. But this is a little bit surreal because I don't feel like I'm actually ready to get married. I mean, actually, intellectually, spiritually. And then I remember, you know, praying about that, being married, having the wedding take place. It was a lot of fun. You know, then you got all the festivities of the reception afterwards. And I remember at some point pausing, maybe it was when Nancy's dancing with her dad, thinking, okay, I really liked the wedding, and I know God was present there, but I didn't feel some major magic transformation of myself where I'm suddenly this experienced, hardened, you know, ready-for-any-battle married person. Anybody ever think about that? That's the way I, that, that struck me. And, and I realized that, oh, this is probably going to be a process that takes years. In fact, probably the rest of my life, or most of the rest of my life, to the extent that God allows us to live and be together. A process. 
well, well, you know, when you think about it, that's what being a Christian is like. God does a work in us. God brings about a love and a new relationship that comes by God's grace. But then it's also a process. It's not showing up at a revival or signing a card or saying a sinner's prayer for about a minute and a half and then poof, I've done it. It's, it's, it's done. It's, being a Christian is a process. It's a way of life. Yes, Jesus has done the once for all, and yes, we trust in that as we come to his covenant table, which is at the center of who we are as Christians together. But, but trusting in Christ and knowing that covenant then leads us to a covenant way of life. Worship in everyday life. Not just at the Christmas Eve service, not just at the Easter service. Worship in every day life that is the way the uh, powerful new testament theologian ernst caseman summed up the message of romans chapter 12 in a uh, really a groundbreaking article that he published i think back around 1960 and then he followed up and expanded on that in his magisterial uh, commentary on the book of Romans. I know Caseman because one of my New Testament professors, Charlie Kalzer, studied with Caseman at Tubingen. Uh, worship in everyday life. That's what Paul is saying. That's what God's word is telling us the Christian life is on this side of believing in Christ and being justified and beginning to be sanctified in Christ means as we come to the pivot of really the book of Romans, turning into Romans chapter 12. I gave this reference to you a few weeks ago. I'll give it to you again. Really accessible book, much more accessible, I can tell you, than Ernst Caseman, um, is Trevin Wax. Rethink yourself. Rethink yourself. The power of looking up before looking in. In other words, begin your day and begin every situation you're in looking to God first before you gauge your own feelings, okay? <laughs> like, in other words, don't go off of your feelings. Don't look in. Most people now look in and look out. What do I think? What do I feel like? What does she think? What does he think? Trevin Wax reminds us, as people of faith, we first look to God, and then God allows us with much more clarity to look inside of ourselves and potentially to reframe how we look inside ourselves, as well as dealing with others. The power of looking up before uh, looking in or looking out, if there is a God, Trevin Wax says, do you believe there's a God? And if he made you and everything else in the world then you don't get to define reality or yourself in relation to him. Instead, you don't define him per what you think. No, 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 instead, you see this? If there's a God and he really didn't make you in the rest of the world, then you don't get to define him in relation to yourself. You don't get to go on your own feelings. No, instead, he gets to define you in relation to himself. He defines who you are. He tells you who you are. He directs you in the process. He gets to define you in relation to himself. So today, 
uh, three movements to this message, and the third one is where we're going to kind of drill down into some sequencing. But first, a new worship and sacrifice. We talked about this last week. If you list, missed last week's sermon, go back to it. Your body, God's glory from, from last week, September the 11th. Present your body holy to God every day, in every way, every way. Present your body a living sacrifice. Now remember, we highlighted this um, last week by the mercies of God. Let me just say on the new worship, I was able to experience a new worship uh, experience uh, just a few minutes before the service today because uh, Collier Martin uh, gave me the opportunity to, if your children and youth go to Sunday school, you probably already know this, today they were focusing on John the Baptist eating locust and honey, and uh, you know, John the Baptist, the great prophet who made the way for Jesus. So uh, our version of it was crickets and honey. Now, I just went ahead and had a cricket. I didn't have the honey. I'm, I have these up here for all of you after the service. If you want one of the crickets, you may have one. Collier has graciously shared these with us. But if you need the honey, I don't have it. You may want to connect with uh, Collier on that. You know, every day is a new experience, a new kind of worship, right? Well, what seriously, what God is talking about is by God's mercies. By God's mercies, okay, not by the law, Okay, not by the law, not by our own justifying of ourselves, but instead by God's mercies and grace. We are justified before God by a righteousness that is not our own, as Paul says in Romans. It's an extra nose righteousness, a righteousness that comes from God. Okay? We're justified, we are sanctified and being sanctified, and we are glorified in being glorified by God's grace and mercies as a power that works within us. We don't justify ourselves. We don't sanctify ourselves. We don't and will not glorify ourselves. We don't build a stairway to heaven, friends. No, 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 instead, it comes by God's mercies. So this calls us to a new kind of sacrifice and worship. Only a new you, only a new you can then offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So, so we have to turn to and trust in Jesus and be transformed by his grace. And we then have good news. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it was in our call to worship today, right? Here's the good news. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come and begun. Let me tell you what this is saying. I'm going to use a big term here, but I, I, what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians, what he's saying in Romans 12 and elsewhere, he's talking about what's called eschatology. Okay? And the breaking in of the kingdom of God. When Jesus comes and starts preaching, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Remember that? It's like the age of God is at hand. And so 
we are, Christian, you are not under the present age. When Paul refers to world in this passage, he's talking not just about the, the geographical world, he's talking about the age, the age of this world. You are not in that world. It's kind of like we're, um, we are in the United States and we are citizens of the United States, but the scripture says we're actually, our citizenship truly is in heaven. You know this? So, so therefore, yeah, we are in this age, we are in this world, but we're not of it, okay? We're called to a new world, a new, the age that Christ has ushered in and decidedly ushered in with his crucifixion and resurrection. So in that good news, and in the good news that he has done the once for all substitutionary, vicarious blood sacrifice to forge the new covenant, which calls all who are saved in him into the kingdom, I mean, into the age to come. Based on that, how do we worship as Christians? Well, you get the pivot, right? Like after all that theology of Romans 1 through 11, you get the pivot in 12, Romans 12, and it says we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. I don't kill myself. Instead, I've already died in Christ, and I live for him now. I belong to him, okay? If we sacrifice, God forbid, we sacrifice a goat up here, Believe me, you don't want the dead goat brought in next Sunday. Not a good look, okay? So God is calling us to be living sacrifices, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And we are alive in the spirit. And this means living means continual, every day, in every way. I emphasized the body last week. I'll just remind you of that. Go back to that sermon. It's really important what we do with our bodies. Not just sexually, but definitely including sexually, but also in every other way we steward our bodies before the Lord. Now, let's go from that into our third area here, and, and this is going to then play out into what we do in response to yielding to the Lord. God's gospel process for a new you. Again, this is a process. Let me make that very clear. This is a process every day. So here are the essentials of God's gospel process for the new you. First, don't be conformed to fit in with this age. Uh, don't be conformed. A little bit of technicality here, but, but we need this. This is, in the Greek, this is middle or passive voice. So, so I need you to pay attention to that. We need to pay attention to that. We will get pushed around if we let it happen, okay? The world, this age, in Paul's day, and definitely in my day, in your day, in late 2022, heading into 2023, you're going to get notifications every 30 seconds from somebody who wants to push you around and click you into some other algorithms. You know this? If you have one of these glowing rectangles. I mean, if you connect with the internet at all, if you watch cable TV at all, you are getting hit upon to be conformed into this age and this world all the time. Your friends are doing it to you also. Your kids will do it to you also. Your parents will do it to you also. But here's this command. 
don't be conformed. Don't passively let, as I love the J.B. Phillips, um, let's go to the J.B. Phillips if we can, the, the great quote, um, wonderful translation. J.B. Phillips translates this, this, this verse this way, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Okay, Maddie talked about Plato. This totally fits with this, right? This age, because Christian, again, as I've told you, you are a new creation. You're a new creation in Christ. You're part of the kingdom. You're part of what Jesus refers to. Um, you have zoan ionion in, in uh John 3.16, whoever believes in Jesus is part of the new age. That's what it's saying, is part of the age that is to come, the kingdom age. You have eternal life. That's what eternal life literally means. You've been ushered in to the age that is forever in Christ. You're not under this world. You're not under the old kingdoms. You're not under the present rulers and principalities of this age, okay? You are set free in Christ. So don't be conformed to fit in with this age. I talked about this a lot on August 24th with my sermon, Word and Table Union, as we looked at the essentials of what it means to be a Christian and in the church from Acts 2.42, the means of grace. And when I did that, I referred to the secular worldview. And statistically, we saw that not just most people in the United States, but even most people who call themselves Christian don't actually follow a biblical worldview, but follow a worldview that's termed as secularism. And secularism, the, the view of secularism, which is all in the Disney movies, is all in other kind of movies, right? And it's, it's in a lot of Christianese, is I just need to find myself, I need to be set free and whom I'm made to be and I'll figure it out. And um, so under secularism, Yourself, your autonomous self is the key thing, and don't let anybody mess with your autonomous self, however you want to define or redefine yourself or fulfill yourself. And it's okay for you to have truth, that's your truth. It's okay for me to have truth, that's my truth. And I will affirm you in your truth. If you tweet something, if you come out this or that, I will totally affirm your truth, but don't you dare talk about universal absolute truth because you're part of the problem, you're part of the patriarchy, you're part of the hegemony, you're part of the problem, if you do that. Which means everything this is saying is part of the problem. That's the secularism worldview. And I, I highlighted for you back on August 24th, a book by, the very accessible book by Natasha Crane, Faithfully Different, Regaining Biblical Clarity in a Secular World. And you may recall I highlighted the fact that Natasha Crane talks about the religion of secularism. Don't be confused. Secularism, and even the Christian apostasy that's basically secularism, is a religion. And the four tenets of secularism that Natasha Crane highlights are these. Feelings are your ultimate guide. Feels good. Feels right to me. Happiness, the ultimate goal. If it makes them happy, come on, honey. Happiness, the ultimate goal. Judging, 
the ultimate sin. There are sins in secularism, and that is the ultimate sin, judging somebody else. And then God, the ultimate guess. I mean, who knows who can know? By the way, don't you dare say it's true or anything like that. But if it makes you feel happy and you feel okay about having your God, that's okay. But it just do not try to force it on me. Don't even talk about it. We'll cancel you. So what the Bible is saying is don't be conformed to this. Don't be conformed to this age. But instead, be transformed. Now notice again, this is passive. It's not like, man, I need to really buckle down and transform myself. I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going to be totally different, and I'm going to prevail over this world. Martin will do it. No, no, no. Be transformed by God's renewing of your mind, by his grace and by the power of his word. You and I are not going to figure this out on our own. We need God to do this in us. God's renewing of your mind. So again, back to J.B. Phillips. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. Let God remold your mind, reshape your mind. So this gets back to change my thinking. Oh God, change my thinking, which leads to change my living. If God is working on my mind, the actions will follow. Attitude, actions, right? Faith, faithfulness. Thinking, living. I can't do this, but God can. So let me yield myself to God's mercies, his grace, and his word to change my thinking. Again, remember Trevin Wax? God gets to define you in relation to himself. And as Martin Luther famously summarized, we don't norm the Bible. In other words, we don't make the Bible fit to our times or what we think it ought to say. Well, this one kind of, kind of touched my heart. I don't like that part. I don't understand it. And this is like really not popular today, so I can't talk about this with anybody. Um, no, no. We don't norm the Bible. The Bible norms us. Let me repeat that. We don't norm the Bible. We don't sit as judges over the Bible. I don't get that, so it must be wrong. Or God must have been confused. No, no, no. The Bible norms us. Be transformed by God's renewing of your mind. Third, live a new obedience. This is what Christianity is, a new kind of obedience. It's not under the law. It's set free in Christ set free to follow Christ, to grow in the mind of Christ, and to learn God's will. Faith leads to faithfulness. Faith leads to faithfulness. Amen? Can I get an amen from anybody? You know, uh, by the way, if I go down to Brazil and preach to the Presbyterians there, as I did a number of years ago, it's like a lot of amens. Presbyterians in the United States just don't say amen. I don't understand why. Um, amen? I mean, okay, so listen. Amen, you know what that comes from, right? In Hebrew, emunah is the word for faith, but it's also the word for faithfulness. And the question is, which one is it? It's both. They're integrated, right? Faith and faithfulness totally are integrated. Faith flows into faithfulness. If you actually believe, you will live it out. Faith without works is dead. Even Habakkuk, right? The righteous shall live by faith. Did you hear that? Live 
by faith, which Paul famously quotes in the opening of his argument in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, right? The righteous shall live by faith. Faith leads into a life of faithfulness every day in every way, the new obedience. Amen? If we say amen, that means we're putting a stake in the ground. That's kind of literally what it means. And saying, this is true. This is my lodestar. This is where I come from. This is where I go. I'm going to live according to this. I'm not just giving an applause. Yeah, it sounded great to me. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm all in. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to live this out. So, uh, another reference. I don't think I've given you her before. Uh, Rachel Gilson, born again. Yet another, uh, you know... Uh, love reading these authors who are from a lesbian or gay lifestyle background who become strong Christian leaders. Rachel Gilson, another one. I've enjoyed reading uh, part of her book in the last week. It's kind of just background for some of our Wednesday night discussions. Born again this way. You catch that pun or emphasis she's making, right? Not born this way. Born again this way in the new creation, right? She's a new person. Born again this way. Coming out, coming to faith, and what comes next? She says, Rachel Gilson says, when we believe in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1. And part of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, is self-control in what we do with our bodies and what we do with ourselves. She says, we don't produce self-control through our own willpower or good intentions. I'm going to work really hard this week and be really good. No, 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 that is not, that's not, okay. We don't create self-control from our sincerity. I just really just, you know, I, I want to be good. She reminds us self-control is fruit, a fruit of the Spirit that comes by the mercies of God. She says, in Christ, I have the power and obligation to say no to temptation and yes to God. So live in new obedience, learning God's will. We'll talk more about that next Sunday. But finally for today, God's goal for the new you. This is an awesome goal. God has a plan for you to reflect the likeness of the glorious Son of God, Jesus Christ. I mean, you and I reflecting his glory. You and I reflecting his glory. Um... Romans 8, 29, back to that verse with which we opened in the scripture readings. He predestined those whom he foreknew to be conformed to the image of his son. I, that's incredible. That's, that's God's game plan for us. Um, 2 Corinthians three eighteen, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. That means the image of the glorious Son of God. We're being transformed. This is the transformation that's happening, right? Into the image, from one degree of glory to another. Did you catch that? It's a process that will not be complete until we see him face to face. But already now, when we look to Jesus and when we live with Jesus, we begin to reflect his glory and his grace more and more. That's God's game plan on this side of your salvation. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is talking about. Don't be conformed to fit into this age, this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
more and more like Christ. I pretty much started referring to a wedding. I'll close with the wedding. You know, a lot of weddings you go to, 1 Corinthians 13, right? And where does that move towards its conclusion? What does it say? Paul says this. Now I see as with the mirror dimly, but then I will see face to face. That's where we're ultimately heading. This life, this Christian life, is in preparation moving us towards that when you will see Jesus face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully even as I am fully known. Amen. Live for Christ and look ahead. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.